We are in Ephesians chapter 3, and just a real quick recap. The first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, are real heavy in doctrine. The main thing that Paul lays out in those first three chapters is that the mystery of salvation through grace, through the work of the cross, which had been God's plan from the beginning had been kept a mystery, and that mystery was revealed to Paul. And so in the first three chapters, Paul talks a lot about how as Gentiles, previously they were cut off from the covenant made to Israel. And now through Christ, we would all have the same opportunity, the same access, the same salvation, and it didn't matter if we were Jew or Gentile. That's kind of the crux of the first three chapters. So today we're going to look further in chapter three. And then when we get into chapters four, five, and six, it's Paul's, okay, now I've laid out all this doctrine. This is how we live our lives as Christians, as a reflection of the grace that God has given us. So we're going to look here again in chapter three, starting in verse number eight. Paul says, to me who am less than the least of all the saints... This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. So Paul starts out saying here in verse 8, To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 9 Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. So when Paul says here in Ephesians that to me, I, who am the less of the least of all the saints, Paul truly felt that it was a privilege to be an apostle that he was not worthy of. Because the other apostles had been handpicked by Christ and had walked with Christ the three years of, of Christ's ministry. And they had been by Christ's side for three years. And they had learned with Christ. And after the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, Paul was out there persecuting those kinds of people. So Paul's whole point is that this mystery that was given to me, me of all people, the least of all the apostles. That's what he's saying here. I am the least of all the saints. This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, Paul says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So as he's talking about the riches that we have, and what are those riches? He says it right here. The riches that we have is Christ in us. Right there in Colossians chapter 2, just jump down a little bit, verses 2 and 3, he says, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding 
to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That is the riches that we get from Christ, that we have all the wisdom and the knowledge of God that He wants us to have. But we have that wisdom, we have that knowledge, we have that understanding, and we can participate in all of the glory that He wants to give us. And that is the riches that Paul is talking about here. So verse 9, he says, And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. And as Paul has been talking about, this was the mystery, it was hidden, and it had been kept a mystery until the right time. And it says in here, uh, hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Turn back to Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. If you stop and think about it, God, through Christ, spoke everything into existence. You know, it was spoken into, by His word it was created. You know, we read the account in Genesis, you know, the first day this was created and the second day this was created. But the whole idea is that God just spoke those things into existence. And then on the seventh day, it says, you know, in Genesis, on the seventh day, God rested. Understand something that that doesn't mean that God rested because He was tired of creating or tired from creating. It means He rested from creating. He had completed everything in those six days, and so he stopped, or as the Bible says, he rested. God did not need to physically rest. He wasn't worn out from creation. All he had to do is speak, and it existed, which is an amazing concept if you think about it, that God can just speak something into existence, but he can. Verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. This is going to answer some questions here. Um, and actually I want to read verse 11, 10 and 11 together. To the intent that now the magnifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see in there where He references the church, because previously... God had a plan with the nation of Israel. And God's plan with the nation of Israel is they were to be an example to the rest of the world, to the Gentile world, of what a relationship with God would look like and, and what a relationship with God could be. Now, God is going to use the church to reveal His plan. And what is this? The whole mystery that, was, that we talk about, that Paul talks about, the mystery that from the beginning of time was the work of the cross. It was about Jesus Christ coming, about God coming to earth in flesh as a man, being crucified and being resurrected, therefore taking on all the sins so that our sin would be paid for. Because previously, through the nation of Israel, they had to sacrifice animals. And they had to do it on a constant, regular basis because it was a, a temporary price that was paid to atone for their sins. But it wasn't a permanent atonement for an individual's sin. So this mystery that Paul talks about was God's plan 
of bringing his son and his son being the one and only atonement needed for all sins. Now, there was a time one time when I was in a church and there was this big discussion going on. And the discussion that was going on was, did Satan know that Christ was going to be crucified? And did Satan know that after he was crucified that Christ was going to be resurrected? And did Satan know what that plan was of salvation through the resurrection of Christ? And, you know, people are debating this back and forth, you know. And one, one, one group of people are saying, well, Satan thought at the cross that he had victory. Satan thought when Christ was crucified that Satan had victory and that was the end. And there are these other people saying, no, no, Satan was a fallen angel and he knew the mysteries of, you know, some of the things that people don't know because, you know, the angels were up there in heaven and they know God's doing everything. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And one word of explanation when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 here. We see, when we see throughout Paul's writings, when he talks about princes and principalities and rulers, he's always talking about the spiritual beings, whether they be angels or whether they be demons. When he talks about princes and principalities and rulers, he's talking about spiritual beings. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So this is what Paul's saying. This is why the mystery that he's always talking about, this is why the the nation of Israel didn't know God's plan for his son. This is why the angels and the demons and Satan didn't know God's plan for his son, that he kept it a mystery until this time. Because, as Paul says here, had Satan known, had the demons known, they would have never had him crucified in the first place. But that was God's plan from the very beginning. So that is the, the mystery that he's talking about is the work of the cross. Back in Ephesians... Uh, verse 11 and 12, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We're told to be bold. And how can we be how can we be bold? Because we have Christ, because we have the power of Christ in us, that we have that boldness. It says, and Paul says right here in verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Through our faith in Christ is where we have our boldness and we have our access to God through Christ. And when we lack boldness, that's, that's us as people because we have the ability to have that boldness, to approach God boldly, to approach Christ boldly. And when we're not bold, it's because of our problems that we have. If you're still in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
Again, he's just talking about it's through the power of Christ that we have that boldness, that we can enter the holiest. And he means that by that is it's a reference to the uh, nation of Israel in their temple where they had the holy of holies, the holiest place where the high priest went. And he's making that comparison. He's saying we can enter that holy of holies, but we do that through Christ. And it's not like the old days where only the high priest could go there. We have our own high priest, Christ. And we can go boldly. And that's why Paul tells us to go, you know, approach boldly the throne of God. Verse 13, Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Go forward one book to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1 verse 14, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. What Paul's saying is, don't worry about my tribulations. When you see what I'm going through, let that strengthen you. And he's saying, and there are brethren that have, because of my tribulations, because of my suffering, and because they see me speaking boldly the word of God while I'm in prison and while I'm being persecuted, that gives them strength. That gives them boldness. Look at, back right up. When you're there in Philippians, back up. Look at verses 12 and 13. But I want you to know, brethren, that these things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. What he's saying is, I'm in prison, and it's been the benefit to the benefit of the gospel. Because here I am in prison, and the whole prison guard, every guard here, everybody who works in the prison knows about Christ because of me. You know, what he's saying is, the bad stuff that happens to you, the, the tribulations that you go through, the, the trials that you go through, can work for the benefit of the gospel. When you're being persecuted, you're being going through tough times, and people see you spreading the gospel like Paul did, that's strengthening. That's encouraging. And that's what Paul's saying here. He said, get your boldness like the other brothers have from what I'm going through. He said, don't lose heart at my tribulations, but gain strength from them. Verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's what Paul's saying here. He said that uh, you, can, you can count on being strengthened by the Lord. Why? Because he will supply all of your need. Psalm 23. We all memorize it as a, as a children. Or most of us memorize Psalm 23 as a child. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why shall I not want? Because he will supply all my need. Uh, verse 17, he says, uh, That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Turn back to John. John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's why Paul says right here in verse 17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The Father and the Son 
dwell in our hearts. They come to live with us when we have the faith and we love them. Uh, verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is what Paul is saying. It's just his desire that the saints come to know all that is available through God's love, all that available through through uh, Christ's love, that you should know how much that is, even though it passes, as he says, knowledge, that you would have some understanding just how great it is. And that's why he talks about the height and the width and the depth and everything. Romans chapter 10, verse 3 says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness, righteousness of God. But that's what he wants us to understand is it's not our righteousness, but that it's God's righteousness. And that is what is available to us because we can't do it on our own, but we have God's righteousness. And that's what he's talking about, that fullness, to experience the fullness of God in his righteousness. Yes. Romans, still in Romans chapter 10, 11 and 12, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. And again, it's the fullness of God. It's the riches of His glory. It's all the knowledge and understanding. It's all those that are available to us through Christ. And that's what Paul is trying to get people to see here in Ephesians is, this is what is available to you. So then he closes it out. Um, the last two verses here in chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, he says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul is quoting from Isaiah, and it says, But as it is written... I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Verse 10, But God has revealed them to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying all these things that previously hadn't been heard and hadn't been seen that God had planned for us, and now it's being revealed, all that He has planned for us. And that's why Paul says here in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. We have no concept of all the things that God has planned for us. Colossians chapter 1 verse 29, Paul says, To this end I also labor, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. That's, that's what he was talking about here back in Ephesians chapter 20, according to the power that works in us. And that's what Paul's saying. He says, His power works in me mightily. And the last one we want to look at is Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 36, Paul says, For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. To Him, through Him, for Him. Our power and our strength come from Him, and the glory goes to Him. That's why we do what we do. And that closes out the third chapter of Ephesians. So next time when we start chapter 4, Paul's going to shift gears, and he's going to start talking about 
being partakers of the mystery that he's been talking about. And so the last four chapters will get a picture of what it looks like to live the Christian life.